Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Good evening, Fusion. Man, are you guys grateful to be in the house of God today? Online, are you grateful to be in the house of God digitally today? There we go. We're celebrating with you. You heard some claps. It's good to see you guys, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm happy to be here. This has been just an amazing time uh, and season that we're in and a really cool series. I've really been enjoying this series. Have you guys been enjoying this true worship series? Man, last week was fire in that we just, you just felt the momentum shifting in a lot of our hearts, man, and, and in our congregation and, and here in the building at least, there was a, there was a tangible momentum building. I, we, we felt chains breaking last week. Do you agree? Man, I believe that we are becoming more and more free in our worship and devotion to God as a result of what we've been talking about. Uh, but before we move forward, we, we have some things to talk about tonight. But before we move forward, I have a very, 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 very special announcement. You guys ready for it? Okay, okay, okay. So yesterday, yesterday happened to be uh, the day that I was born. But I appreciate that. But more importantly, more importantly, Yesterday was the day that my wife, Gabrielle, officially came on staff here at Victory, here at Fusion, here at Fusion. As you guys know, um, a few months ago, Pastor Tay, she transitioned to a new role, and due to the Lord's leading and a lot of events, um, we have, we had a, a, a beautiful place open and some opportunity just, we'll tell the story another time of how everything unfolded, but I'm super excited to have my wife here to partner with me. She'll actually be stepping into the pastoral development program that, we're ha- that we have here at Victory to co-pastor Fusion here with me. So right now, She's coming on as our women's discipleship director. If you, baby, can you come up here? If you guys could give a warm welcome to my wife so we can pray for her. There we go. You can take your mask off. <laughs> Man, I'm so happy to have you here. I know, I didn't tell you it was a surprise because you like surprises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of her love languages. So, you know, I try to do surprises when I can. So, uh, also her birthday was last week. So can you guys make some noise for that? I wanted to just kind of do a double whammy of celebration. Uh, but we're actually going to have the team come out and, and pray for you and bless you. And we all are going to, to pray for you. If you'll all stand to your feet, 
you know, we give honor where honor is due here. And, you know, especially anytime someone is transitioning on staff or off staff, it's important that we pray. And I just want to say I'm so excited. I'm grateful for your heart. And I'm excited to partner with you in pastoring this ministry and these beautiful people. Uh, I'm just so excited. I know that you're bringing a ton of gifts, talents, and a ton of heart. And so thank you for who you are. And thank you for what you bring. And I love you. And I just want to pray for you. All right. <laughs> and so if you'll stretch your hands out so we can pray. And online, stretch your hands out. Pray for my wife. <laughs> Father, we thank you so much, Lord. I, I thank you that you said he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And Lord, and I thank you that she is a, a great thing, Lord, a great person. Uh, of course, for me and for our home, Lord, but I know that you have important kingdom purpose for her. And so, Lord, we just come together, surround her as her brothers and sister in, in Christ. And Lord, we just speak a blessing over her, Lord. We say thank you for the gifts that you've put inside of her. Thank you for the person that she is and the gift that she is to the world that you've placed her in. Lord, I thank you for all the ministry that you have in her heart. Lord, every bit of wisdom you've deposited in her, every gifting that you've placed in her, God, the power that you've placed in her. And Father, we just declare your blessing and we say, have your way in her life. Let your kingdom come through her life, Lord. Let your will be done through her life, Lord. We thank you that she's protected, that she's provided for, that she's covered, that she's blessed, and that she's loved. And we just say thank you for sending her, Lord, and we bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love you, girl. And thanks, team. Appreciate you guys coming up. All right. So as you guys can see, I'm very excited about that. This is going to be just a game changer uh, for us, and I'm excited for you guys to see that. Cool? All right. So as I mentioned, man, we've been in this series called True worship. And this has been interesting for me personally because I feel like God has had me navigating this series differently than some other series. I mentioned to you guys last week how he's been speaking a lot to me personally and just changing up some of my own personal devotion time with him, uh, some of my own personal routine, habits, things like that. You know, I've been journaling a lot more. Um, and that's really kind of what I've shifted to. There's normally a, a lot that goes into preparing the message for Tuesday. A lot of study goes into that, uh, but it's taken a while to kind of get my feet under me to, to, to think through everything clearly enough to figure out like, okay, what exactly are you wanting to communicate? You know, what exactly is the result you're looking for, God? What, what do you want us to walk away with? And in the pursuit of that, sometimes, you know, as a, as a preacher, as a communicator, as a teacher, um, you, can, you can find a routine or a rhythm and it can box you in. And I think it's a lesson to learn in anything you're doing for God but I think it's important, the, the lesson that I'm learning is just to stay flexible in every area of my life and especially just being sensitive to God's leading. And I would encourage you guys to do the same because he may be wanting to switch up some of your habits. He may be wanting to switch up some of the ways that you do things, maybe some, some things that are working well, but they're not to the level that they could be because he wants to take things to a higher level. Are you tracking with me? Sometimes... Where you're at is good for where you're at. 
But God may be wanting to take you to a higher level, and that requires you to do some different things. Why is this relevant? I believe it's super relevant for everything that we're doing here, and especially in this worship series, because we've been talking about worship being a lifestyle and it being about engaging with God. And I believe that God wants to take us as fusion, as the young adults of Victory Church, I believe God wants to take us to another level. Do you guys, how, how does that make you feel? Does that resonate with you? Does anybody want to go to another level? I want you to ask yourself that question because it's easy to say yes and it sounds good to say yes, but what if that requires some things of you? What if that requires maybe some inconveniences? What if that requires some discomfort? What if that requires some you know, maybe being looked at sideways, not being conventional, not going with the norm. I want us to examine that because if we want to go to another level with God, when we look throughout scripture, we have to do it God's way. Anybody who's gone to new heights with God had to do it God's way. And God's way is typically not the most comfortable it's typically not the most convenient. It's typically not the way that you would expect. Amen? Has anybody found out that God will, will do some things that don't meet your expectations? Maybe, maybe you guys haven't found that out. Has God just met every expectation that you've had? Online, has he met every expectation that you've had? Probably not, because God will switch some things up, do some things differently. So even in the preparation for, for teaching in this environment, I feel like God has been trying to break me out um, a little bit of the safety that can come with the way that we prepare. And so I'm giving you guys kind of what I'm navigating, because I really do believe that God is starting something in me that he wants to happen in everybody. I feel like God wants us to take inventory of where we're at, of where our relationship with God is, of our daily habits, of our routines, all those things, and, and see if maybe we need to make some space for God to do something different if we want a different result. Think about it. If God wants to do something different in your life, does he have space to change anything to get you a different result? Does he have space? Is there space in your schedule? Or are you still too busy to spend a significant amount of time with him? Is there space in your desires? Can he shift any of your desires or are you looking for answers that just line up with where you want to go? Does he have space to shift your perspective? Because if worship is about a lifestyle, God wants to have his hand on everything and he wants to establish his culture in your life. God wants to establish his culture in your life. Last week, we were talking about Moses 
and the Israelites. And we're going to dive back into to some of that uh, today, but we're, we're, we're going to go on a, a bit of a journey. And, but what we were looking at was God was establishing culture with the Israelites. When he took them out of Egypt into the wilderness, and when he was having these moments of establishing himself as their God, like, I am your God. This is how I operate. You are my people. This is how you will operate. I'm going to establish my culture here in the Israelites as a picture of what it looks like for every person of every nation of every color to walk with me. You guys tracking? He was establishing culture and that infiltrated every single aspect of their lives. And as I was praying about this, as I was studying this, uh, I felt like there was like a, a key that I was looking for. Like, all right, God, what is this? What is this hinge on? What is this hang on? What, what exactly do you want me to communicate here? Because there's a lot of great stuff and I've got pages and pages and pages and pages of notes of just what I've been pulling from the scriptures that he's leading me to. But I'm like, God, what do you want to communicate? And this morning, actually, I woke up early. Um, I believe that was intentional. Uh, as you know, I mentioned last week, you know, there's something special. We saw Moses getting up early in the morning to meet with the Lord. And the Lord told him to get up early in the morning. And I had just been reading that again, where God is going to meet Moses on Mount Sinai. Uh, and actually, when, has anybody heard where Moses asked God to show him his glory? It's in, it's in Exodus 33. So after what we were reading last week, when you know, Moses is like, teach me your ways so that I may know you, God says, I'm going to do all these things because you've pleased me. Um, but as a matter of fact, let's just turn to it. If you'll turn to Exodus 33, because I think we need to see this. Now my Bible apps wanting to mess up. That's all good. I got it in my journal. This is going to be in Exodus 33. Um, so yeah, I didn't write down the verse, but Moses says, as a matter of fact, let me turn over here. Y'all cool if I switch things up a little bit? Okay, cool. Cool. All right. So, you know, Moses says to the Lord, you've said, I know you by name and you found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. And God responds uh, as a matter of fact, he also says, how will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? So Moses is asking God, I need your presence to go with me. We need your presence with us because that's what's going to distinguish us from you, from, from every other uh, people on earth. If we're gonna be your people, it can't just be a matter of lip service. We actually need you with us. Things happen when you show up. There should be a difference in our lives when you're here and we need that. We need that desperately. And then God says, I'm pleased with you and I'm going to do that. And then Moses says, now show me your glory. And glory, 
the the word there it, it means weight it means significance it means importance and to sum it up it, it in sum it means like the sum total of all the things that make him god moses wanted to see it moses wanted to experience god he wanted to see his glory and i believe that each and every one of us if we're taking the same posture if we're taking the same, uh, yeah, if we're taking the same posture, I believe God will respond to that. And so if we're talking about going to another level here in fusion, I believe that it starts with that posture. But before God does that with Moses, he says, I'm going to show you my glory. He tells him, be ready in the morning and meet me on the mountain, come up and meet me. And so as I was, I was talking about how this morning I woke up and I wake up at six o'clock and I'm like, all right, uh, it's early. And when I'm preaching at night, I'm like, God, I'm preaching at 8 p.m. Like, I need a little rest. I'm gonna be working all day. And, but I really felt like I had just read that scripture and where Moses is like, show me your glory. God is like, I'm going to do it. Here's how I'm going to do it. You're gonna wake up early in the morning and meet me. And so I, when I wake up early in the morning, that scripture came to my mind, be ready in the morning. And I'm like, oh, I think you're testing me. And so I go out in my living room, open up the Bible, open up my journal. And I felt like God spoke to me like clearly, just simply that love is the distinguishing factor between God's people and the pagan world, the unbelieving world. Love is the driving factor. When, I, when I'm asking God, what's the key? What's the driving factor? What, what ties all this together? I believe he spoke to me very clearly about love being the driving factor. And he actually took me back to Genesis. And so we're gonna read a little bit about uh, Adam before we get back into the story of Moses. And I just want to pray for us. And as a matter of fact, I would love for you guys to, to pray with me, not just for me to pray for us, but I, I believe that part of us even going to the next level has a lot to do with our personal participation and engagement. And I believe that God will show up where he's wanted. I heard that last week when, when uh, I was listening to a discussion about revival and, you know, what, what made the difference between, the, you know, these different revivals that have taken place around the world. And, you know, somebody was like, I believe that God just shows up where he's wanted. And that struck me that I believe that that's really, I mean, what Moses, Moses wanted to know God and God was willing to respond. God is like, okay. You want to see my glory? I'll show it to you. He's like, you can't see my face because nobody can see me and live, but I will cause my goodness to pass by you. God describes his glory as goodness. Oh man, there's so much there. But I believe that God wants that type of relationship with us. He wants to respond. And if we want him to show up, if we want him to speak, then he will. And I believe it's got to be more than me that wants him to speak. Because I've already read all this. The message has already been spoken to me. But man, I, I want it to be a little deeper 
for us. Not just you guys anticipating maybe a message or a sermon that I've put together, but really wanting a touch from God, really wanting a word from God. We're just going to read scriptures tonight. Like that's power. Jesus said the words that he speaks are spirit and life. There's power in the word of God. And I believe there's transformation that takes place through the word of God. Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Paul said uh, to, to one of the churches he was going up to, he said, man, I, I chose to, to not come with wise words of man's wisdom, but just by a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And that wasn't about him. It was just he knew that God would show up where he was wanted. He said, I chose to preach nothing but Christ and him crucified because that's all that matters. That's your access to God. It's not about a man. It's not about the creativity. It's not about the, the analogies, the stories, the visuals. All those things are great. But at the end of the day, all you need is access to God. And you don't need me for that. And, but I do believe, you know, the Bible says that God, Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So there's a function here of teaching, but there's also, it's to equip you for what God has called you to do. And so if you want to be equipped and if you want to touch from God, I, I invite you to just pray with me that God would speak to us tonight. You cool with that? Let's pray. Father, we just, ah, we lend our ears to you, God. We give our hearts to you. Lord, we invite you to speak. Every person watching online, Lord, we invite you to speak to us. Lord, we need you to move. We don't need a regular Tuesday night. We don't need a regular day. We don't need you to meet our expectations. But Lord, we pray that you would have us meet your expectations, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would be able to move in this place in the way that you want to, because we know that you desire relationship with us. God, you desire for us to be your people and for you to be our God. Lord, you desire to be present with us. Lord, you desire for your presence to distinguish us from all other people on the face of the planet because we are in relationship with the living God, the supernatural God, God Almighty, the Lord who saves, the Lord our righteousness, the Lord our healer, the Lord our victory. Lord, we have you. You are alive. And so, God, we just open our hearts to you tonight. Lord, we invite you to move in this place. I invite you to move in this place. Help me to just decrease, Lord, for you to increase, for all the focus to be on you, and for us to receive what you want us to receive from your word, because man can't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And these words, they've proceeded out of your mouth. So we are reading the words that have proceeded out of your mouth and it sustains our soul. It fills us. It gives us what we need. You lead us into all truth. You feed us. You provide everything that we need. And so, God, we just come to you with faith, with trust, with hope, with love for you. Lord, and we say we want relationship with you. We want to be your people. We want to be a people who are marked by your presence. We want to be a people who are hungry for you, desiring you, God. Lord, we, we invite you to speak with the expectation that we will live this out. Lord, that we won't just be hearers of the word, but we will be doers of the word. 
We are hungry for your instruction. We're hungry for your direction and for your guidance because we know that your path is the path of life. And so, Lord, have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So I, as I mentioned, I, I really do believe that love is the, is the driving factor here. And, I, and we've been talking a lot about intimacy over the past two months or so. And I just want to give us a definition of it because this is really what it comes down to. When we're talking about true worship, it comes from a place of intimacy. And intimacy is just close familiarity or friendship. Closeness. Close familiarity or friendship. That's what we want with God. That's where our worship needs to come from. And remember, we talked about the fact that worship isn't just about clapping and singing and, and songs, but it's, it's, those things are included in worship of God. But it's about our lifestyle, a lifestyle fully devoted to God, about us being in relationship with God, about God touching every single area of our lives, about him being threaded through every area of our lives, guiding every area of our lives because he created every area of our lives. Amen. And so I want us to go back to Genesis. I was reading in Genesis 2. We look at verses 5 through 7. It says, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. And I don't believe it says that for no reason. It says that no rain had come on the earth uh, because he hadn't sent rain on the earth and that's normally the way that any plant would spring up. But how many people know that God doesn't need to do things conventionally to get things done? Because he could have sent rain, but he decided to do it a different way. And I think it's important for us to notice things like that, because as we're reading God's word, we're learning about his character and we're learning about his ways. We're learning about how he operates. And so in your life, maybe God hasn't sent rain, but he's wanting streams to come up from the ground to give you what you need. Maybe he's wanting to provide things in a way that you wouldn't expect or in a way that's not conventional. Maybe he wants to do things different because he's God and has the power to do it. And it brings him glory because we're reminded that he's in control of everything. We're reminded of that when we just, I mean, there are so many cultures. I mean, you, I think it's wild that you can look around at creation and be atheist. It shows just how we can get so in a routine or in a rut that we become blinded. And I think sometimes God needs to switch things up on us. So we're reminded this isn't just a clock that's going around. He really is in control. He really is on the throne. He really did breathe life into us. He really did create this stuff with his hands. Rain doesn't just come. God sends rain. And if he doesn't send it, it doesn't show up. But he can still water the ground if he wants to bring streams up from the ground. Amen. It says, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So last night, my wife and I, we had a debate about where your heart is located. It's random, right? I thought your heart was like over here because normally, like I, I feel it beating. And then I looked up like a diagram of the human body. I thought that I had already seen it, but it was actually closer to the center. She was like, no, your heart is in the center. And I'm like, nah, it's definitely not. It's over here on the left side. Things we talk about. So, <laughs> but I looked it up 
And I just saw, I wasn't looking for a picture of the complexity of the human body, but I saw that. And so when I read this this morning, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. So God took mud and made like us, a heart, a liver, kidney, lungs, blood. That's crazy. But he says that that's what he did. And I just think that that's phenomenal. And I, as I'm reading this, I'm just reminded of the greatness of our God. Last, last week, we talked about just a reverence and an awe for God and how God was shaking the mountain when he showed up for, with the Israelites and showed up in fire and all these things. It's because they weren't really acquainted with him and his power and his might. But when we take time to slow down and think about God, meditate on him, and you just look around, you can be amazed at God's power, his ingenuity, the fact that he put us together and it helps us to trust him. Things like that remind me that I can trust God. Like, okay, God, if you can make like moving, you can make like a nervous system out of dirt, I believe that you can handle this situation in my life. I believe that I, when you say I don't need to worry about anything, I really don't. Like Jesus said, the, the birds, they are fed. They don't worry about where they're going to get food. The lilies of the ground are dressed beautifully. So why are you worried about what you're going to wear? God is going to take care of you. And I'm reminded when I read things like this, where God displays his power, I'm reminded of who he is. And that increases my trust in him. Amen. It says, uh, a little further back in Genesis 1:27, it says, "So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them." I'm going to read that again. So God created mankind in His own say it image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. It says three times there that God created us. God created mankind in the image of God. He created them. Male and female are mankind, and they have both been created in God's image. Why is this important as we're talking about worship? It's because we've talked about intimacy, and I, I feel like God was bringing me back to like the beginning, the starting place. If we're talking about relationship with God, God's culture, this is really where it was established. I mean... God said, let's make mankind in our image. God is three in one, a community within himself. He says, let's make mankind in our image. And then he takes dirt out of the ground and forms mankind. There's a closeness there. And I, I think it's important for us to read things like this because we can get so far. We're so far into the future after this. We're so deep in the human experience and the human story that we don't feel this closeness a lot of times. Like we don't feel like Adam. We don't feel like God took us out of the ground and formed us. But the Bible also tells us that God formed us in our mother's womb. God formed you. 
God wants a personal relationship with you. God created you. It says three times here, man didn't just show up. God created them. In his image, he created them. Male and female, he created them. There was a closeness. God wants relationship. God could have done a lot of things. God could have just spoke it into existence. God spoke everything else into existence, but he put his hands on mankind. We have to get this revelation. This is what I've been praying for, that we would just have a deeper understanding because it's all here. What you're hearing is not new. Most of you guys have heard this before, but do you get it? Is the question, is it bringing any changes or shifts in your life? Does it shift how you live your life? This has to shift how you live your life when you really dive into it. Like, okay, how do I look living life my own way if God formed me with his hands? Think about it. How do you look being autonomous and moving on your own authority when God formed you? Further, I believe that when we struggle trusting God, it are, it's some of these, these core things that we've either forgotten or we don't fully understand. God cares about you because he created you. It's just simple stuff, but it's necessary if we're talking about being the people of God. And if we're talking about going to another level, we have to understand some things under the surface. We have to have a strong foundation. I think some of us are not ready to go to the next level because we don't have a full revelation of who God is at this level and who God wants to be in our lives. And understanding some of these core things will start shifting. And, and I'm taking my time. I'm going slowly because I want this to be kind of marinating for us. This isn't something that I want to fly through. This isn't just the, all right, get to the end. We have to get this. I want you to picture God on earth forming a man from dirt. There's intentionality there. Think of the attention that's there. If we go back to chapter two, it says, after God created man, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. God breathed into the man, and the man became a living being. It says, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. That alone, I can't get away from this picture of intimacy and closeness. It says, God planted a garden. It didn't say that he spoke it into existence. It could have said that but it says he planted a garden and then he put the man there. I can't help but see God's involvement and intentionality and his hands in the affairs of human beings, providing a place before, he even, before Adam even knew where he was going. God prepared a place. Do you believe that God created you with intent? That he created you to go somewhere? that he didn't just form you, but he also formed a place for you to be, that he also put together a destiny for you, a purpose for you. Do you believe that? Do you live that way? Do you live in the awareness 
that God created me and God created a place for me to be, you know what that looks like in your life? It looks like not competing. Adam didn't have to compete. God put him in the garden. He didn't fight on his way there. He was just living with God and God was placing him where he wanted to be. That's completely against our culture. Everything is about being self-made, about getting yourself where you need to be, about doing all the work. But then the Bible tells us, man, your life is just a mist. It's here and then it's gone. You toil and you work and, and it's for what? You get filthy rich and then you're gone. It's for what? What was the point? There is no point without this. Without relationship with God, without being aware of his intentionality in your life and his intent for your life, there is no purpose for you. But with awareness that God created you and he also has prepared a place for you, there's purpose in that and there's peace in that. That's when we can worship freely. You can't worship freely when you're worried. That's what's keeping so many of us from engaging. Even as we were worshiping via song a few minutes ago, some of us were so worried and concerned about other things going on in life that it's stopping us from engaging with God. But if we can just get to a place like back to the, the basics, back to the simple understanding of like, all right, God, I don't even have long here. And so I want what you have for me. And deeper than that, I want you. I want you. Adam had God. That was what was so important about this. I mean, God and man dwelling together. Then it says, the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then it says a few verses down, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. He gave him purpose. He gave him an assignment. This was all by God's hand. Adam wasn't figuring out things on his own. Adam didn't have to take a personality test to figure out his purpose. Adam didn't have to wait for somebody else to tell him what his purpose was. But he got it from God. God had prepared a place for him. God put him there to work it and to take care of it. Where has God placed you? Or do you believe that God placed you where you are? Because it's hard to work as unto God if you don't believe that God placed you where you are. These are some of the, the, the small things, the mindsets, the things that get in the way of us really living a life of true worship. If Jesus is saying the Father is seeking worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth, it has to permeate every area of our lives. It can't be relegated to a few minutes 
in a worship service. This has to be a lifestyle. And there are things, there are mindsets that are standing in our way of actually being able to do that. We're worrying about things. We're ignorant of things. We're ignorant of many of the things of God, many of his desires, many of his ways. And then we wonder how we get confused about God because we don't know him deeply a lot of times. And so many of us can spend our entire lives at a surface level with God, maybe doing the right things, but not knowing him. And when you know him, it will permeate every area of your life. You'll know that God places people in the places that he wants them to be. And so you'll know that God places you where he wants you. And when you're walking with him, where you are is where you're supposed to be. What you have is what you're supposed to have. Contrary to what it might look like, what people might say, what people might think, you can look through all of scripture and probably find a similar situation to yours. And God is right in the midst of it. Walking with God doesn't come without challenges. Walking with God doesn't come without any trouble. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. The, the peace comes from knowing him. Knowing Jesus overcame the world doesn't mean anything if you don't know Jesus. If you're not in relationship with him, if you don't trust him to show up on your behalf, if you can't trust him to speak to you, it doesn't matter. But when you do, it changes everything. And it changes how you operate in every area of your life and you'll be able to operate from a place of peace because you know he's with you. That's what David had when David was writing the Psalm in Psalm 23 and he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And that understanding, that awareness is life-changing. God, you're with us. And you're not just with us, you're with me. It says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. From when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And what I picked up here is, in relationship with God, boundaries are necessary. Maybe, maybe you feel like boundaries restrict you. Maybe you feel like boundaries are a barrier between you and God, but I would encourage you that boundaries are necessary in relationship with God. Boundaries do some good things. Boundaries, especially in this instance, they established authority. If there were no, you can do this and you can't do this, there would be no relationship of authority between God and man. If, he, if there was no accountability, there would be no authority. And there needed to be a relationship of authority between God and man because it was God's rightful place to be in authority over the person he created. Now, God is love and God is good. But part of his goodness is holding his authority. Because you know what else comes with his authority? His protection, his provision, his covering. All these things come under the authority of God. Boundaries establish authority. Boundaries also establish trust. Trust. 
When you know that there's a boundary, you now have an opportunity to exercise trust in God to say, though I don't know, though I don't fully understand, I trust you. For Adam, the God who picked up dirt and put him together, who breathed into him to make him a living being, who put him to sleep, took out a rib, formed Eve, brought him a helper, was in relationship with him, planted a garden, gave him trees, all types of food. He says, man, all this is good for you to eat and a bunch of other good stuff. For Adam, it's easy to say, okay, God, you've, you've clearly displayed your goodness in my life. So I have no question about whether your intentions for me are good. So if you tell me not to do this, I can exercise trust in you that that's not something that's good for me. Amen? I believe that especially as young adults, if we can get this right, because the world around you is telling you that boundaries are a problem, that boundaries are just man-made, that boundaries are not from God. This is what the world around you is telling you. However, when you look at the life of someone who operates with no boundaries, examine the results. Examine the results. Show me someone who operates with no boundaries and I bet you can also show me that same person with a lot of negative outcomes. You can't get anywhere important with no boundaries. You end up in this revolving cycle of nothing, this hamster wheel, not getting anywhere. People pushing against boundaries, but they're depressed, but they don't want God. They don't want boundaries and they're flooded with anxiety and they don't want God. They don't want boundaries. They can't find love, but they don't want God. These things come together and there's, it's a lie from the enemy to say that love has no boundaries. It's just not true. Any relationship that you're in, you want boundaries in it. If you're gonna commit yourself to somebody, you want boundaries there. Amen, baby. We know. There have to be boundaries. When there are no boundaries, there is dysfunction. So we have to get out of this mindset of always accusing God of being bad for setting boundaries when it's for our good. It's a lie from the enemy. And that's what we see take place next. In Genesis 3, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. It's important that we understand some of these basic things about the human experience. 
God's intent for you, God's love for you, God's care for you, God's attention to you, God loves you, God sets boundaries in your life, you also have an enemy. Eve had an enemy, but she didn't approach it like he was an enemy. But the first thing that he did to her was lie. And temptation began with a lie. And temptation began with questioning God. And I need you to to pay attention to this because of the culture we're all in. And what we're navigating and what we're walking through is a culture of questioning and a culture of asserting lies as truth. Because he gave it like, you will not certainly die. And that was a straight up lie. It was just not true. God said, you will certainly die. The devil said, you will not certainly die. How plain is that? That's what we're seeing in the world around us. And if we're actually going to be worshipers of Jesus, it's important that we navigate these things because there are going to be constantly uh, things coming at you to deceive you, to get you away from relationship with God. That's what the enemy was trying to steal from them. And actually, right after he said, you will not certainly die, he said something true. He said, God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That was true. That's where the deception came because he wrapped his lie in some truth. One person appreciates it. It's real, though. This is what we're seeing in culture is lies wrapped in some truth. God loves you. And so if God, God loves you is true. If God loves you, then he wouldn't ask this of you. That's not true. God loves you, but God doesn't need to exercise any authority over you. That's a lie. God loves you and God is in authority. God loves you and God calls the shots. The beautiful thing is, God is not just telling you to do it by yourself, but God wants relationship with you. This same God who formed Adam out of the ground with his hands, who breathed life into him. He's the one who set the boundaries and he was walking with Adam. That's why later it says that they heard God walking through the garden in the cool of the day and then they hid themselves. Why? Because God was actually there. God was with them. They had everything they needed, but deception was about to make them throw it all away. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. He ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And I want us to see that the first thing that happens when they step outside of the boundaries of God, right behind sin came shame. And right behind shame came separation. They covered themselves. They put something between them and God when nothing was standing in between them before. And that's actually the rest of the gospel is God removing the barrier that our sin and our shame has put in place. 
Somebody can clap for Jesus removing the barrier. Because we see this ongoing theme. God didn't remove it right then because payment had to be made. This is why, man, if we're going to worship Jesus Christ, we have to understand these core things. You won't ever understand the grace of God. You won't ever understand how unworthy we are to even be in relationship with him. You won't understand the gift of salvation if you don't understand these things and how much of a problem we had because of our sin and how much it stands in the way of us and God. And that's what the world that doesn't know Jesus Christ never, doesn't understand is that your sin is not freeing you, it's separating you, it's covering you, it's put up a barrier between you and God, it's not making your life better. Not doing what God says to do, not being in relationship with him is not a better life. So after that it says, you know, they, you can go back and read it and humanity then goes under a curse, but it says that the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. So God made a garment of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. He's like, all right, y'all sewed some fig leaves together I can give you a better outfit than that, even though you were never supposed to have one at all. And now I have a problem to fix. And he says, man, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in the center of the garden right next to the tree of life. And one offered something that we should only get from God, which is true knowledge. And the knowledge of good and evil was something only God was supposed to have. And right next to it was eternal life. And God is saying, okay, now that they've eaten of this tree, what they didn't know is that knowledge of good and evil, they were stepping into sin. And so it wasn't an enlightenment or wisdom that they gain, but knowledge of good and evil then made them aware of the evil they had just committed. And they were consistently aware of their sin. And I just imagine them, it took some time to sew fig leaves together to make a covering for them. And I can just imagine how anxious they must have felt like how bad that must have felt like, yo, we just messed up bad. I thought that this was gonna be a good experience and now I see I'm naked. All this stuff happened that I did not expect to happen. And so I'm sewing these fig leaves together. I'm putting together this, I'm sewing leaves together, first of all, as clothes. I'm not the wisest person. I need God. And I just, I imagine the anxiety and the shame and, and all that was there. And yet God stepped in and got involved and again made something with his hands to cover them with. But that leather hide became a symbol of separation between them that God had to rectify which again brings us to the beauty of the gospel. It, it says even as Moses and the Israelites, um, when God gave them the instructions for the tabernacle, they were to put a, a 
covering over it of leather hide. And so again, there was a symbol of the separation, like a reminder of the sin that separated them from God. There was a leather covering over the curtain, over the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, a reminder. So God was making steps toward them, but he was ultimately leading them to where we are right now, which is we are in the new covenant. Jesus Christ paid the price for us to no longer have that barrier, for us to no longer have the shame that comes with our sin. I mean, for us to actually have relationship with God. And I need us to understand this, and and I'm closing here, and we're gonna go into a time of worship, and I want us to understand what the gift is that we have right here. Because if we don't, we'll we'll keep worshiping from this level when God is inviting us here, but each level comes with a new understanding of God. We need God to reveal himself to us. That's why I said I, I don't have a super creative message for you today. This is just core to your discipleship. Like if you're really going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you're really going to follow him, you need relationship with God. Your life should be a lifestyle of worship to him. Everything that you do should be in worship to him. What you don't do should be out of worship to him. It's simple, man. God gives us his word as a gift to us. When when Moses asked God to show him his glory, God said, I'm going to do this. And in Exodus 34, he said, I'm going to do this. But then he showed him how he was going to do it. The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. And I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready in the morning and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. So Moses says, God, show me your glory. God says, "Okay, cool. I'm going to start by giving you my word. He says, chisel out two stone tablets and I will write on them the words. He said, in order to really know me, to experience me, you don't just need an encounter. You don't just need a feeling. You don't just need to see something, but you also need guidance. You need culture. You need to know how to follow me. You need to know my ways, my heart. You need more than just this experience. What's going to carry you on is the words that I've spoken to you. We have to value the word of God. It's a treasure that we have. It says, then the Lord came down in the cloud. If you guys will just stand up as I read this, because I want us to take this in. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And some of you guys might be like, whoa, what just happened? 
Things were really good up until that part. And I read this because it's so important that we worship from a place of not just the parts of God that we like, but we have to, if we're going to worship in truth, we have to accept the entire character of God. He says, I am compassionate. I am gracious, but I'm also just. He said, I forgive wickedness, sin, and rebellion, but I won't leave the guilty unpunished. Meaning if there's been no forgiveness, it won't go unpunished. I don't leave it undealt with. This has to be dealt with. Adam and Eve, what happened with them and what they passed down generation to generation had to be dealt with. God is just and he doesn't let wrongdoing go unpunished. We want justice. We want it in every other area of life. And it's important for us to know, even in the climate that we're in, no, no wrongdoing goes unpunished by God unless it is washed clean by the blood of Jesus. You have the opportunity to be in relationship with God. You have the gift of God's word. You have his presence. He says he'll go with you. He sends his Holy Spirit when we place faith in Christ. And this God, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellious and sin is your God. And man, I don't know what the last week has looked like for you. I know that last Tuesday we had a, we had a great time in here, lifted hands and, and hearts crying out to God. I don't know what the last week has looked like for you though. I don't know how much that permeated your lifestyle, your day-to-day -day activities, but I wanna encourage you and I wanna invite you into this moment, but also every moment following that you have the opportunity. I mean, if there's breath in your lungs, you're watching online, you're here in this building. If there is breath in your lungs, you have an opportunity to give yourself to God. You have an opportunity to worship him freely. Just like he proclaimed his name to Moses, we can proclaim his name back to him. God had to introduce himself as the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, maintaining love to thousands. Now we can proclaim that back to him because we know him. And so, man, I wanna encourage you, the worship team's gonna come out now and we're, we're gonna go into a time of worship. Let this be from the heart lifted hands can we lift our hands all across this building can we lift our hands watching online man just as an opportunity to extend ourselves to god to ask for heaven to touch earth for ask to ask for god to touch us to speak to us to fall afresh on us to reveal himself to us we know that God will move on our behalf. We know that warfare takes place while our hands are lifted. God proclaims his name and will proclaim his name. There's power in the name of Jesus. Scripture tells us that God gave Jesus the name that's above every name. There's power in the name of Jesus. So as we lift our hands, there's power. As we sing the name of Jesus, there's power. As we come together as God's people, one body devoted to God, there's power. So Father, we take this opportunity to devote ourselves to you. Lord, we ask you that you would knit our hearts together. Lord, that we would cry out to you as one. That we would stand as one before you, Lord. Not just our individual pursuits, God. We would 
that we would commit ourselves to you as individuals, Lord, but also step into the body of Christ and commit ourselves to the people around us, knowing that you hear us, that you receive our worship. Lord, that you're wanting relationship with us, God, that you started things with Adam as relationship. And when it was broken, you put a plan in place to restore relationship, not just adherence to rules. You wanted to restore relationship, God. So Lord, we pray that you would restore that in our hearts tonight for every person who's been far from you. Lord, I pray for a restoration of relationship with you. God, I pray that you would soften our hearts. You said that you'll put a new spirit in us, that you'll give us a new heart. If you'll take out our heart of stone. Lord, I pray for every person who's had a hard heart, a cold heart towards you. I thank you that you can change our desires. You can soften our hearts. You can open our minds. Lord, help us to put down the hurt. Help us to put down the wounds. Help us to put down the doubts and give you an opportunity to reveal yourself in truth to us, to worship you in spirit, God, with everything inside of us and in truth, Lord, according to your ways and who you really are. Lord, I pray the relationship would be sustained in our lives, that this would not just be a moment, God, but this would be a moment that begins momentum, a spark of a flame that will continue and that will protect, Lord. Lord, I pray that you set fires in our hearts tonight, God, that our hearts will burn for you tonight, God, that our hearts will continue to burn for you throughout our days, throughout our weeks, that it'll flood into everything that we do, flood into our relationships, flood into our work, flood into our decisions, flood into radical commitment to you, radical, for, radical love for the people around us, God, because that's what you're wanting. And so, we, God, we say, have your way. Let your will be done. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We treasure the name of Jesus. Your name is holy. Your name is righteous. We don't take it for granted. You are our salvation. You're our righteousness. You're our savior, God. You love us and we love you. And we'll worship you with everything we have. In Jesus' name, let's worship. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.